Sorry, I had to burp. Hey, there was audible shitting in that movie, so I think we're we're well past burping. Wait, which that- movie? The one we just watched. <laughs> okay, this is the opening now. Suburban Podcast. My name is Steven. I'm Hannah. I'm Troy. And today we're talking about the movie that has audible shitting in it. <laughs> Maximum Overdrive. The only movie Stephen King directed. And there's a reason why it's the only one he directed. But <laughs> before we do that, let's get into some things we've been doing uh, since the last time we were all three together. Hannah, what have you been watching? Oh, God. Okay, so I've been watching a bunch of stuff, and frankly, I've hated most of it, so I'll talk about a few (laughs) things that I've actually liked. Uh, One of the things that I really enjoyed was an Australian film called The Loved Ones. Uh, The way I would describe it is if the Sawyer family from Texas Chainsaw Massacre understood what a school dance was. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Troy, have you seen this one? Oh yeah, I've seen it yeah. a few times. It's a great movie. I really it like is. it. Uh it was some of it I thought was hard to watch. Uh if anybody out there decides to watch it, at least one dog is dead. I'm not sure if the other one is dead or just wounded, but it's there, there's at least one dead pet in it. Uh basically a school loner girl asks out the cute boy to go to the dance. He says, no, he's already got a girlfriend. And she has her dad kidnap him, tie him to a chair in their kitchen, and they torture him. And it's very um, graphic, I think. It's not really gory, but you see a lot of what they're doing to this boy. Yeah. Uh, It's... I don't like a lot of torture stuff. It was hard to watch in some ways, but the acting was good. The crazy teenage girl was really, really good. I was kind of sad she hasn't done a lot because I would watch things for her. But it was it was a lot, but it was a good watch. I think it's if I think it's a good um example of how torture porn can actually be watchable because essentially it's torture porn. Yeah. Um, but I believe the bulk of the movie, I, th- I, I'm just, I'm agreeing. It's a really good movie. 
just everybody always shit talks torture porn, which I can understand that a hundred percent, but right. I, th- I think it's a torture porn movie that actually is pretty easily watchable. I think yeah. it's really good. Yeah, it was palatable. I, yeah. I recommend it. Uh, another one that I watched, and I'm so sorry, Steve, that you have to hear me go about on about this again, because I think it's all I've talked about for two days to anyone who will listen, uh, is a 2012 film called Compliance. Uh, this one, I would say it's probably horror adjacent. It's I think it's on IMDb as like a drama thriller crime movie. But it honestly unsettled me and made me uncomfortable more than any movie that I've watched recently, including The Loved Ones. Uh, It is based on a true story. I'll throw that out there. So I know I talked to a couple people who had not seen the movie, but they knew the story because it had been in the news before. So this may be something that people have heard of. uh, But whether you have or not, the movie is definitely worth watching. Uh, The basic plot, and I'm going to try not to give away any of the twists, even though I do think one of the twists is very self-evident, like five minutes in, uh, is, um, so the place, it's set in a fast food restaurant, just sort of a generic one, and towards the beginning of a shift, a cop calls and says that he has a customer sitting there who says that the frontline cashier had stolen money out of her purse. He doesn't have a spare cop at that moment to send down to check things out. So he needs to have the manager check the employee out, search her, search her purse, and detain her and keep an eye on her until he can send someone down to actually do the investigation. And everything sort of snowballs from there into a sort of police state thing going on in basically a generic Chick-fil-A restaurant. It's so creepy and so unsettling uh it reminded me of without a supernatural element a movie that we watched a couple years ago called await further instructions oh that weird movie yeah obviously without you know the the alien thing the weird (laughs) the weird wire alien yes (laughs) yes but just the like the idea that something outside is telling people you need to do this and the idea of how far will people take blind obedience and i think that's a fascinating topic and just the fact that this is again based on something that really (sighs) happened is horrifying but i i would strongly recommend this it was one of the best things i've seen and also, if anyone liked The Hunt that came out in 2020, that was the same director. This was one of the first things that he did. Oh, I never saw The Hunt, but I it's it's always been on my list. Oh, it's good. It's yeah. really good. Uh, and then Steve and I saw a couple things together that I think he also wanted to mention. Uh, one of them was Fall that we got to see in the theater. And oh, my God, it was I don't have a fear of heights, but that movie is creepy as fuck. Uh, two young women end up on some sort of giant pole. Steve, did you ever figure out like what the yeah, fuck are they on? Yeah, it's a radio. It's one of those old fifties radio towers that shoot way, way, way up. Um, but it's like all rusted and dilapidated. So like as they climb up, it starts to fall apart, like the ladder and everything does. So they can't get back down, and they're stuck way, way, way at the top. Like like fucking like ten thousand to fifty thousand feet in the air, or some like somewhere in that range of area far enough up where like they, the legitimate fear of planes hitting them 
was a thing. Yeah, like cell phones don't work because they're above all the towers, so they can't call. They were live streaming for YouTube, but of course they're above the Wi-Fi, so they've just cut out. They didn't tell anyone where they're going because they're stupid. It it yeah. was it had a like it hit almost all the same notes as the descent, except it didn't have the cave monsters. It was just they were in the air instead of being underground. Okay. But it was oh, it was like I said, I don't have a fear of heights and it freaked me out. It was really, really dizzying the way they did a lot of those shots. Yeah, the story's kind of dog shit though at the end. Um Yeah. I mean, it, it's a it's a PG thirteen horror movie, and there's nothing wrong with that, but like they they did do go into some kind of a cliche uh horror tropes towards the end there and in the ending the very big ending uh just as just, uh just kind of hits nothing happens really like uh it, but you're not there for really like the story you're there no. for you're there for the cinematography like you're there for like the really creepy just like jarring cinematography that actually made me cringe um so yeah yeah it's 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 worth seeing in theater but it's also uh something that i don't think you should seek out necessarily to watch for like good cinema <laughs> <laughs> yeah agreed gotcha. <laughs> and then the other one that we watched together uh, it's been really divisive among a lot of people was they slash them. And we both really liked it. I'm not going to go so far as to say that it's like a 100% divide because it's not. Uh, in general, it seems like queer people are having a more positive reaction toward it and straight people are finding it less fun again it's not 100 percent. i'm sure there are straight people who have enjoyed it and i know some queer people who have had problems with some of it it seems to be kind of trending that way i i i'm pansexual i really really liked it i thought the actors all did a really good job i felt like yeah they were kind of stereotypical but also i know people like all of those characters so they felt realistic to me my only real complaint with it was I felt like they did not need to market it as a slasher because if you go in thinking I'm going to get a camp slasher, you're going to be disappointed because that's not what it is. I hate when movies do that. Do yeah, I, I hate. Yeah, I hate when movies do that. That's what ruined Christmas Evil because people are like, well, not people, but yeah, I guess it, that was marketed as a slasher movie, and it is definitely not a slasher movie. Um. Yeah, but I, I just I hate when people do that. Yeah, I my biggest complaint with this thing is um uh the ending. I think the ending promotes like a a pretty negative theme. Uh, some something that I don't support. Uh, and it it, it kind of follows along the line of, of the like whole. Uh, hippie like oh love all that matters peace and non-violence is all that matters kind of thing uh and that's all i want to say so it might spoil anything at the end uh besides that but uh yeah that's 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 my biggest complaint with the movie 
Okay. Um, I'm, yeah. definitely, I'm definitely on board with you there. I, I'm not a, I don't think peace <laughs> is the necessarily best solution to every problem. For uh, sure. I mean, hippie might be, I use that word pretty loosely <laughs> sometimes, but you know, I like to say goddamn hippies half the time, you know, it's. Yeah. I, I think if you go into it thinking like, okay, there's going to be some violence but it's mostly more of a psychological thriller you might have a more accurate impression of what you're about to get and maybe you'll have a better time with it okay all right uh troy what about you so i have been watching a few things um the most notable is i finally got to see x which I loved. I swear that movie is definitely a contender for best horror movie of the year. I want to say it's already the best slasher movie of the year. I wasn't sure if it was going to be a slasher movie or not. This thing is definitely a slasher movie. You know what? One movie people are not mentioning whenever they bring this up for some reason is Motel Hell. No one's bringing that up and I get Mm. a -hmm. lot of like more serious motel hell vibes yeah from this for a i mean a lot of reasons for anybody who's seen the movie you know motel hell is the a brother and a sister all you know they're old they're they're in their i guess 60s let's say or late 50s um but a, a much older couple and they run a um they run a hotel and also a uh, meat packing or like a meat processing uh, plant there he you know a, a farmer Vincent's fritters or whatever you know meats meat and a man's gotta eat and they they uh, kid, they they trap tourists and uh, you know they uh, run uh, people who they think are unsavory off the road and they you know, plant them quite literally and until they're ripe and then they'll harvest them. And that's where Farmer Vincent's fritters comes from, but it gives me a lot of vibes like that. And I hope I'm not spoiling too much by just saying that, but I mean, obviously I got the Texas chainsaw massacre vibes. I didn't know how the whole sex positive thing was going to play out until um, I saw it and then they obviously went into it whenever they were having that big discussion, um, <laughs> you know, that night. And I was like, wow, that's really great. And I love how I just I love how positive that was. It's like whenever you try to uh, it's it, it gives you the same vibes as if you ever speak to anybody who practices ethical non-monogamy or or a polyamory, it, it they you know, I'll, People like that will describe, well, there's a there's a disconnect between, um, but, you know, between love and jealousy and you know, essentially jealousy is not there. And it, they basically the whole notion of separation and how separate, you know, these people are able to um, process these sorts of things and separate them specifically in the movie Sex and Love. And how sex is not treated as um, necessarily hand in hand with love. And I love that it 
this was so progressive, I guess, for it being set in 1979. Um, and even the guy who I thought was the sleaziest, which you know, the, the main producer, mm-hmm. the, he wasn't even necessarily a bad guy. He was very supportive of he was very supportive of his of his fiance doing a really good job and you know can separate that and i was like wow that's really great the shittiest guy there was like the incel dude and you know what (laughs) i'm really crying in the shower was my favorite part yeah i love you know i love it it, it just all the bullshit he was you know coming out Uh of his mouth oh yeah you know he's agreeing with everybody then as soon as you know, his girlfriend wanted to hop in on the action. He's like, no, yeah, fuck you, dude. Um, I can't wait for Pearl. Um, Pearl is, I think, going to be really great. I'm so surprised that's coming out this year in September next month. They shot it's it coming they, out. They shot it pretty quickly after X. That's that's such a ballsy move. Yeah, it's such a ballsy move considering but i mean i guess i guess people believed in um, ty west or t west enough ty west ty west believed in uh believed in him enough and liked what he did enough to where they just greenlit that and let him obviously make that they've not just greenlit that they greenlit a sequel to Oh, oh, I didn't I didn't know that. So they did green they did green light a sequel to um Yeah. A24 is greenlit the Pearl X obviously and then whatever the sequel is going to be. Okay, gotcha. Um Yeah, no. Uh I'm all here for it. Um but aside from that, I've, <laughs> I've watched a few other uh things. Um I've been getting into thrillers sort of recently, just kind of rewatching a couple things. Um, I know it's kind of weird. These are kind of non horror y. Uh, the Hunt for Red October. It's definitely not a horror movie. I rewatched that movie, and that movie's fucking great. That movie's really good. Um, and then I rewatched, or I didn't rewatch, sorry. I watched um, this dumb drama movie, fucking of the imitation game with Benedict Cumberbatch. And that movie is just, I don't understand how it was nominated for so many Oscars. That movie has so many vibes of like, this is going to be shown in so many classrooms around the world. Like that movie is seemed like it was purely made to show high schools to teach them about Alan Turing and be appropriate to show in a high school. I, I just, I was, I watched it and I'm like, this was fine, I guess. Um, <laughs> um, aside from that, um, not not too much else aside from the movie we were going to be talking about here soon. Um, I was planning on watching uh, that Glory Hole movie that just came out on uh, <laughs> Glorious. <laughs> Yeah, on on Shutter, but my Shutter lapsed, and I haven't. I just haven't got around to renewing it yet. That'll be the first thing I check out um, whenever I get it back. It definitely sounds pretty interesting, and plus, I think there's a there's finally a, a queer horror documentary. I want to say that's 
yeah. either on Shutter or will soon be on Shutter, and I, I want to see that. Yeah, Glorious is made by Rebecca McKendry, uh, who is Doctor Rebecca McKendry. Sorry, uh, who is one of my horror heroes. She is incredibly intelligent when it comes to horror movies, uh, and uh, has been making movies for a little while, and also teaches at UCLA. So oh, okay, yeah. um, I'm definitely interested in it because of the obviously the wild premise. For anybody who doesn't know, the premise is it's a Lovecraftian story set at a like within a glory or I don't know about within, but like around a glory hole at a like at a gas station or a rest stop. That's all I know. I'm never usually turned on by Lovecraftian. Like that doesn't draw me into a movie. I will say this: there's like a few horror-related things that don't draw me in. Usually, uh, Lovecraftian. Um, not to not to say that there's not great movies that are described as such, but like it doesn't draw me in personally. Um, Lovecraftian vampires, werewolves, zombies. Usually, those things don't draw me in. I'm more of a I like a lot of realism or like really weird stuff, but I've heard great things about this movie and I definitely want to yeah. check it out. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. So the thing about Rebecca McIntyre also is that she will acknowledge that HP Lovecraft was a fucking awful person. Um, so, oh, yeah. <laughs> Just you know, there's, bit. yeah. So like, you know, that acknowledgement helps also with, with, you know, everything. Um, but, uh, so I want to talk about a few things. There's something we've been watching that I have not mentioned yet on the show. I see you smiling. So I think you know what I'm about to mention. (laughs) You ever, Troy, ever heard of the show servant? I think so. What's it on? It's on Apple TV. Oh, I wouldn't have. If that sounds sort of familiar, um, who plays it? I think I mentioned it before. Mm. all the people are unknown actors except for Hammerschmidt but Hammerschmidt's the name of the guy from House of Cards I don't know his actual name and actor name oh Rupert Grint's in this and Rupert then, Grint yeah and then Tony uh, Revolori who plays Flash Thompson in all the Spider-Man the recent Spider-Man movies what's his name in, or what's their name in this uh, their name let me see here give me two seconds and I'll tell you well if it would Hold up for me. Uh, Ka- uh, Maine, Tony Riddle. Let me see here. Toby? Toby? No, no. Tony, Tony Revel. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Tony Revelory as Toby. Sean. Toby. Um, yeah, Toby. Toby. Tommy Chef. I don't know what that's. This, is, this show is fantastic. It's kind of a slow burn, but then it picks up in certain episodes. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with a slow burn and it's still just really good. Uh, the surprising part is that this is directed and I think also showrun or produced by M night Shyamalan. Yeah, it's produced. It doesn't say it was, uh, I don't know if he's the showrunner, but he, I do see where he is definitely a producer. And it's great. It's fantastic. There's no, the, the twists that you get are very natural. 
Okay. I know that Ibnai can have that issue where, you know, like twists are just like forced at the end of a movie. No, these twists are yeah. natural. And if the story flows and, uh, honestly i never would have figured it out if hannah wouldn't have just been like god damn it sit down and watch the show <laughs> um my problems with his writing i i don't i'm not a huge fan of his writing but the writing is fantastic in this yeah i don't think he does it that's why it's no, probably really probably good. not but like he, i mean he has a lot of power over the story so he could shoehorn his kind of stuff in and he's just not oh sure um and I think this is actually where's a, a, a time where you could point to M Night Shyamalan shining. Like, I mean, he, M Night Shyamalan is is great in certain circumstances, right? Like, I love Signs. I know Hannah loves Signs. I love uh, Signs. Signs, yeah, is Signs, great. Signs is great. Uh, the Sixth Sense. Uh, if after you've seen it the first time, it kind of loses its charm. But the first time, you're like, whoa, wow, yeah, this, you know, that's that's good. I like vomiting girl. Yeah. Yeah. I like split. I know some people don't like split. I like, uh, a couple of us other movies. I liked unbreakable. I actually didn't see, I didn't see split or glass. Um, funny enough, but I really like unbreakable. You would like split. Oh, I'm sure I would. Uh, but yeah, that there's that. And then, uh, since I'm in school now, like, you know, TV has been more of a thing than movies. Like we'll watch movies together, but TV is now a bigger thing. And I started sure. the show evil. Um, and evil is basically if you put supernatural and the X files together. Um, okay. So it's like the X Files style in the sense of like two professional people. Um, one is in the clergy and one is like a psychologist and they are going to go around. One is a believer and one is not of the supernatural, the paranormal. And they're going to go around. They're going to talk, you know, look for demons. And sometimes in this show, it's not, it's a, there's a rational explanation. Sometimes it's racism as the demon instead of an actual demon uh, or classism or something like that. Or sometimes it's an actual fucking like, you know, sometimes Beelzebub is fucking hanging out next to somebody and fucking causing trouble. And this is Christian lore. This is not personal, you know, beliefs or whatever about yeah. the underworld or or whatever. Uh, I think it's great. I think it's really good. Um, but if you if you like religious horror and you want something a little different, this is it. Because every episode, it's an anthology style like the X-Files um every episode is a different story gotcha they're contained episodes it's not like yeah. you can so you can basically if you say watch it all the way through you can just pop on an episode and you won't be lost per se yeah you can pop on a, the story around the characters is is interesting but loose enough where you can pop on an episode and a week later pop on another episode or a month later and and you won't be lost you know okay um but if you don't like the paranormal or supernatural or religious horror, like this is this is not really for you. You know, you might <laughs> like something something different. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's what I've that's what I've been watching. I just remembered a couple things that I I can't believe I forgot. Um, Spiderhead, that's one I watched, and I recommend. It's real weird. It's on Netflix. I don't know. If, have you all seen it? It looked interesting, but I haven't watched it. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's really bizarre. It's, it's, you know, it's weird seeing Chris Hemsworth in anything where he's not Thor, but like 
it's it's like an experimental prison. I thought it was like a spy movie before I looked into it. I thought it was like a like a weird espionage movie. It's not. Um, it's a, a movie with this experimental prison called Spiderhead, which is just this island. And these people there are free to roam around wherever they want to. Even they're allowed like out in the facility after dark. It's kind of like a, it looks like a really nice. Um, like assisted living facility or kind of like a psych ward sort of deal, but really, but you know, very, it's not, um, it's, it's very welcoming. Anyways, these people there have these packs that are attached to their lower back and their spine, I guess. And various drugs are in vials put in there and select people have to test the drugs out each day. One drug makes you talk more. One drug makes you laugh at anything. One drug makes you want to fuck whoever it is you're looking at. One drug um, makes you hate yourself. And like, it's apparently is like the worst thing ever. And, um, but there's a whole lot of kind of like, behind the scenes stuff going on and it's kind of fucking it, it gave me a lot of vibes of like ex machina um but kind of mm. like okay. this yeah kind of like a weird sci-fi kind of horror-esque there because there's like some pretty gruesome things that happen and it's kind of really you ever see stuff that's just really cheery but it comes across as really eerie that's a lot of vibe in this movie and it's still really weird to see chris hemsworth say fuck so many times it's like you see him in like this one you see somebody in a particular role for so long then it's weird to see them you know do their job as an actor yeah. and play in something yeah. else um anyways and the other thing is killer clowns from outer space has a video game coming out and you can sign up for the beta and it's coming from the, one of the creators of, I don't know the development team. I don't think it is, but it's going to be one of the main people from the Friday, the 13th game. The so it's from Lexington, be, right? Well, that's the thing is I don't know if gun media is doing it. I know okay. one person associated with Friday, the 13th, I like the director or uh, it's one of the main people from Friday, the 13th is, a part of it and it looks amazing and it's rated m which is so weird it's a blood and gore and i'm like the movie wasn't it's it's pg-13 so it's i i'd say it's like a hard pg-13 but like it's yeah but i thought that was really cool like just suddenly announced and um kind of a cool news for anybody who's interested who's two games and like killer clowns from outer space. Those are the two things that popped in my head that I wanted to mention. Oh, cool. Yep. Cool, cool. All right. So we need to move into this movie. So let's go in and talk about Maximum Overdrive. My name is Stephen King. I've written several motion pictures, but I want to tell you about a movie called Maximum Overdrive, which is the first one I've directed. Wow. What in the dickens is going on around here? 
A lot of people have directed Stephen King novels and stories. And I finally decided if you want something done right, you ought to do it yourself. Now, who was driving it? I don't know. It was my first picture as a director, and you know something? I sort of enjoyed it. What is going on? I don't know! I just wanted someone to do Stephen King right. You want a war? You got one. I just want to get the hell out of here. So come and spend some time with me and my friends at the Dixie Boy. Spend some time in the dark. Please don't let okay. me in the dark. I'm gonna scare the hell out of you. And that's a promise. You're gonna get us in an awful lot of trouble, man. We already in trouble. Maximum terror. Jesus coming and he is. Maximum king. Maybe tomorrow will be our world again. Dino De Laurentiis presents Stephen King's Maximum Overdrive. All right, so <laughs> we're going to do a certain order today about this movie because I think the development and before this movie was made is just as interesting and fun and funny, frankly, as the movie itself. So first thing, I want to get all of our reactions to this. Stephen King wrote the story Trucks, which is basically what this is based off of. Um, it, well, it is what it's based off of, but it's there's a lot more added to it. And he made this movie because he was so pissed off at how Stanley Kubrick made The Shining. Now, The Shining is, is a movie that we we steer away from on this podcast right now. Uh, I don't really like The Shining. I'm not going to lie. And and Hannah has a stronger opinion about it. Okay. Uh, so, um, I, I don't like The Shining simply because Stanley Kubrick was an abusive asshole. Um, and it just I don't think it did the story very well. Um, but uh, yeah, so King was really, really pissed off about how <laughs> how Stanley Kubrick treated The Shining and how he he used the story and, and kind of to quote the honest trailers through the book in the trash um, as he went. So if you watch the trailer, the trailer for this movie, like King throws a bunch of shade at Stanley Kubrick over it. So maximum overdrive was basically King going, you know what? I can do better. Fine. And uh, well, we've all seen this movie. Hannah, do you have anything to say about this? He did better than Stanley Kubrick did in the shining. Oh, well, yeah, um, <laughs> I, I hate that movie for so many reasons and I don't like uh, monster trucks or whatever the fuck this thing is called. I, I can't remember. Maximum but, uh, overdrive. <laughs> Maximum. I can't, my brain refuses to keep it. I, I hate, okay. I, I don't like most Coop, um, King adaptations. Um, my standards are unreasonably high and I'll admit that about myself. 
uh, Kubrick's is the worst one other than Cell, which is barely a movie. It's just, don't ever watch it. It's horrible. Uh, I don't blame King, honestly, for being so pissed off that he made this movie coked out of his head. Like, this actually seems like a reasonable reaction to me, but that doesn't make it a good movie either. Troy, what do you think of uh, um, his reaction to, to Stanley Kubrick? Um, unless you told me that, I would have no idea that this movie was in reaction to Stanley Kubrick. I am also with you. I think Kubrick is, a, you know, was really shitty. And I definitely don't take that away. I personally am a very big fan of The Shining. However, I do acknowledge that it wasn't necessarily a good adaptation of the source material, for sure. Like, I, I, I'm i not going to argue that. Um, however, I will say the the movie is is Kubrick's is incredibly iconic. And I still feel like there's a lot of things you can associate to look at today that would, um, that you would see, you would look at something like, Oh, I can associate You think of the shining when you see it. Um, however, I, I had no idea. I, I guess even thinking about it, I can't really, I, I, I'm really interested to hear, but I can't really think of, anything in this movie that comes across as a like fuck you to stanley kubrick i guess that's the point no, like, like yeah. so i don't understand where if he's saying that i guess i would expect to see like something that's distinctly kubrick in the movie that he's saying fuck you to yeah no see king for the first thing about it is that king during this time is coked out um, right. If, if right. you watched, if you seen the trailer for this movie, <laughs> you know, I don't know if I have or not. So the um, trailer is where he throws all the shade to Stanley Kubrick at. Okay. He says things along the lines of uh, a lot of people have made Stephen King movies, but what I have found out is if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. The shit like that. And oh, it, it really boy. like 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 King was invited to the set of The Shining and Kubrick, Stanley Kubrick. This is this is not something that's to be really like argued. Everybody knows Stanley Kubrick was a piece of shit human being. Yeah. Um, he abused he abused uh Shelley Duvall. He abused Malcolm McDowell. He abused all these different people. He he purposely did these things. He lied. He cheated. He was a bad person. Good filmmaker can be debated, whatever. He was a bad person. King went and visited the set. Kubrick was a complete dick to him. King made his, basically made his grievances known, and Kubrick didn't give a shit. Because to him, it was Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, not Stephen King's The Shining. So it was just fuck you, basically. So King, in response, got really, really mad and did all kinds. Of, he did, I mean, he said all kinds of shit, but this was his like, oh, you know what? I can do better. And, and, and whether he did better production value wise, you, you know, um, can be yeah can be can be debated whatever but 
I just that I think it's really important to understand that King did this in a response to someone else. It wasn't he basically took one of his stories and went, you know what, I'm gonna make that. And he wrote a screenplay and he went and he directed it. And Stan it's Stephen King, you know what? I think Stanley Kubrick's not that great either at this point, but Stephen King is not a good director. No, he's not. He's not a good director. And Stephen King will be the first person on the fucking planet to tell you that he is not a good director. Right. If if people ask him, like, why haven't you made any more movies? He'll be like, go watch Maximum Overdrive. That's why I haven't made any more movies. But anyway, I wanted to say that I wanted to say, like, definitely, Troy, go watch the trailer because King is clearly coked out of his mind during the trailer. Yeah, that's the most infamous thing about the movie is how coked out of his mind he was. Oh, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, But I just wanted to get that out of the way before we got into this movie. Um, So fun fact, this is kind of a response to uh, Stanley Kubrick. Um, All right. So let's just get into our first thoughts of this movie. Uh, Troy, give us your thoughts on this movie. Um, My thoughts are that. Whereas there are definitely fun parts and there's parts about the movie that I um, think are funny and interesting. I think a lot of it that's uh, upon rewatching it in its full entirety for the first time, I've mentioned this before we started recording. I have, I have started this movie countless times throughout the years. And I just, Things have happened to where I maybe I stop paying attention and I do something else. I just get to like the middle of it and I stop watching. And that's kind of a commentary in and of itself. This time I actually sat, well, <laughs> speak of the devil, I the, uh, like two nights ago, I did sit down and watch it and I fell asleep. And so I finished it up um, a little bit before where I left off and I did finish it. Um there there's a lot of fun to be had and i think a lot of the characters are really fun too i forgot yearly smith was in this who plays the voice of lisa simpson um and i i like emilio estevez like i like young emilio estevez and really anything i see but there's just so many ridiculous things in this fucking movie um yeah, it's. I, I think there's some fun parts, but I, I feel like there's a lot of. I feel like maybe the issues with the movie for me outweigh the fun parts, um, even though it's definitely. You can tell somebody who was coked out of their mind fucking made this movie. That's for sure. <laughs> like it's high octane. High octane. That that's a good. That's a good one. Uh, Hannah, what do you think of this movie? Uh, it's a movie. Uh, <laughs> like I said, I'm really picky about my Stephen King adaptations, and it's incredibly ironic to me that Stephen King did not make a good Stephen King adaptation, especially since, like you said, he was doing this out of spite. I reread the story today to refresh my memory because it's it's in a collection I don't like very much from his first uh, short story collection. A lot of them are kind of misogynistic, and this one is too. Uh, there's 
one female character in the story. She's someone's girlfriend and she does nothing but scream and cry the entire time. She's completely useless. The story is still not one of my favorites, but it does have some charm to it. And I think it's kind of fascinating that everything that had to be done to turn that story into a movie was to its detriment. Like the story takes place over one day. There's only about, I think it's six people in it. Only two of them have names and very few things really happen. It's all in one spot very short amount of time you don't know why the trucks have come alive it's not all the appliances so you don't have the kind of goofball moments of the atm calling someone an asshole or the soda machine spitting at people or anything it's just trucks and airplanes you find out at the end and there's a sort of simplicity to it that really works and is chilling and you lose that when someone coked out of their mind is having to make it bigger and bigger to put it on a screen and I don't know maybe he would have made a better director if he picked a different story because I think this would have been challenging for a good director to make a full-length movie out of honestly a better story with this same kind of structure was The Mist and that was a longer story to begin with and it made a wonderful movie but this I think was going to be challenging anyway and he was definitely not the person to deal with it I yeah, this is definitely not not one of my favorite movies. <laughs> I think this is the worst masterpiece ever made. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering about the logic too. I'm glad you said that. The logic kept fucking with me. I'm like, why does not every like why didn't every car fucking turn on? Yeah. And it's just the trucks. Who knows? She asked that too. And I was like, yeah, it's a good point. And then I went on. I was like, I don't know. There's <laughs> there's no there's no logic to this movie. And I have no logic behind why I like it. <laughs> like I well, I'm not gonna sit here and fucking lie to everybody and try to say this is actually really good. I think this is the worst masterpiece ever made. Like it's not a fucking good movie, but I think it's great. I, I love it. <laughs> like so <laughs> It's, I mean, it's, first of all, it's labeled as a, as a comedy horror, horror comedy, whatever, but it it says comedy horror. Mm, Yeah. I think it actually probably goes in that order this round. Uh, But yeah, I, I like the story behind why it was made. I think it's funny. I think the king thought he was going to do something great. And then he just found out that he can't make movies. And that whole story is fucking great. All of the, like the opening that you complained about is what I like. It's part of what I like. It was just like Stevie King, like being like, hey, look, this machine called me an asshole and fucking <laughs> people getting ran over with fucking rollers and, and, and soda machines killing people. Like what? That's what I wanted to see more of. I wanted to see more of um, the like the crazy. I wanted to see more machines, like little tiny machines and the soda machines. I wanted to see more of that. That's what I wanted more of. Instead, we got fucking transformers who couldn't turn into robots. (laughs) I mean, that part's funny. It's just it has nothing to do with the story that he was adapting, which, again, is funny, given that. His whole complaint to start with was Kubert adapted his thing wrong. 
I still don't believe that kid knew fucking Morse code Morse that code. well. Bullshit. Oh my god. The That's fu- what I said. <laughs> the fucking the fucking Russian sub dude in uh in the hunt for Red October didn't know Morse code nearly as good as that kid did, and I call fucking bullshit. On yeah. That. <laughs> I call it. So this the. <laughs> The basis of this movie and what happens in this movie is that a comet goes by and the tail of the comet causes all in the movie. It's all electronics and machines to come to life and go on a worldwide killing spree. And I'll be tell you what, if Haley's comet comes by and this doesn't fucking happen, I'm going to be pissed. Be real mad. I'm going to feel like I got cheated. All right. There's a better movie with a comet going by and causing mayhem, and that's Night of the Comet. Yeah, um, I get it. Um, yeah, I'll be upset if that doesn't happen too, though. Yeah. I feel like this is just like a Tuesday for Teslas. <laughs> Teslas? <laughs> oh, God damn. We do live in the timeline where maximum overdrive <laughs> would happen because fucking Elon Musk Elon fucked Musk. up some cars. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. Elon Musk is going to be the reason why we have an apocalypse. <laughs> so, <laughs> into the plot here. Plot. The plot. plot. The plot. plot for this. There's a plot in this story. <laughs> I want everyone to know that. As Earth crosses the tail of a comet, not the tail of the comet crossing Earth. No, it's Earth crossing the tail of the comet. Comet's not moving. Previous inanimate machines suddenly spring to life. An ATM insults a customer as if we don't know who the fucking customer is. It's clearly Stephen King. If you don't know that that's Stephen King, then you have not. I don't I don't know what to tell you. You have to know. He looks he's so distinct looking. Yeah. He Stephen King is the only one of the only people I know that I'm like, yeah, he looks like Stephen King. Like Joe Hill. (laughs) Joe Hill looks like Stephen King, but Stephen King doesn't look like anybody but himself, right? Yeah, I agree. Who does Stephen King look like? Uh, Stephen King. Stephen King. Joe Hill. Joe Hill. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Don't don't come in here with your facts, all right? I still don't. I still can't remember when there's audible shitting in this movie. Well, we'll get there. We're, we're right. getting there. I'm so excited. Chaos sets in as all these machines start to attack humans worldwide. You don't see it worldwide. You see it in this one fucking town. Yeah, that's a bummer to me, too. <laughs> I want to see it everywhere because they do mention it worldwide. It fucking sucks that we don't get to see more. I, that's the that you know what? That's the shit I loved about the movie was the crazy machines, and I would have loved to see more of that and the fucking people hanging out the windows with the hair dryers around the you know, cord around their necks. <laughs> <laughs> so of course, you know, the bridge rises up and all kinds of chaos happens. I just want everyone to think about the fact this movie takes place in Wilmington, North Carolina. Don't go to North Carolina. That's what I'm getting out of this movie. Don't go to North Carolina. I'm I'm going to interrupt to point out that one of the extras in these early scenes is Marla Maples, which means that she made two tragic decisions in her life. 
One of them was being in this movie, and the other was marrying Donald Trump. I I think think the bigger mistake is marrying Donald Trump. Well, and didn't she have one of those children? That's also a mistake. I don't know. What's her IQ? It might be Eric. (laughs) I think it was. I think she had Tiffany. Was it Tiffany? I thought Tiffany was Ivana's. I I don't. I don't know. Who Who knows? I know one of them is buried in the golf course. And they're making money off of it. That's what I know. One of them was buried in the golf course. Oh, yeah. Ivana Trump. Okay, so real quick. When when Ivana Trump died, Ivana Trump died. She fell down the stairs, quote unquote. That's not how people get murdered at all. Never. Uh, And if you want, if you think I'm accusing Donald Trump of murder, I am. Yes. Uh, He buried her. On his golf course at the fucking what was the first hole or whatever? What she always wanted. Yeah, what she always wanted. And he can now charge rent to her estate. He can now claim get tax write-offs because he could claim he's a fucking cemetery. All this different shit. But that has nothing to do with this movie. That just has to do with the fact that I think Donald Trump is the worst person on the fucking planet. Uh so, meanwhile, as machines are taking over, children, for some reason, are still playing baseball. And they're all playing baseball. They win. They go over. They get they get some sodas. And this soda machine fucking kills their coach <laughs> and attacks them all. Like, I agree with Troy. This is what I wanted out of this movie. I, I wanted that so much. <laughs> I wanted machines fucking just ripping apart people. That's all I wanted. So yeah, that all happens. Meanwhile, uh, a guy is blinded by a gas dispenser (laughs) and then at what's what's this truck stop called? Dixie Boy Truck Stop. Stop. Meanwhile, at the Dixie Boy truck stop, as as this guy's getting gasoline, which is the darkest gasoline I've ever seen in my life. It looks more like motor oil. Um, An electric knife comes to life and injures waitress Wanda June. The arcade machines come to life and electrocute a customer, which might honestly be the only black guy in this movie. I think it is. It might be. It's honestly, I was watching it going, hmm, it's a very white movie. Yeah. There's two. The, the guy that played Barney in Silence of the Lambs is in like the entire movie. Oh, yeah. He oh, was the, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, after all these things come to life, the cook, Bill Robinson, who is, you know, uh, Emilio Estevez. Starts to suspect finally that something is going wrong after every machine around him comes to life. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, at the same time, the little league thing is happening. Meanwhile, because there's too many fucking people in this movie, the newlyweds, Connie and Kurt, I'm assuming Connie is the nagging woman you're talking about. I think <laughs> so, yeah. They're, uh, they stop at this gas station. Uh, and get attacked by a fucking tow truck. Uh, 
they find this guy dead and she screams is he dead like seven times uh but they get attacked by a tow truck and get away uh so yeah it's <laughs> i i can't reiterate that like there are too many people in this movie as much as i love it and none of this is really adding up too much of a plot by this point uh what do you all think of this intro hannah it makes me tired <laughs> there's 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 so much of it some of it's funny like the the soda thing is iconic and Stephen King with the this machine called me an asshole. That's iconic. I think it's I think it's inferior to the story, but I get it. It's a different type of genre than what the story was doing. Fine. I don't enjoy it as much, but OK, I get it. But there's just there's so much and I don't. I don't like horror comedy that much. And this really, to me, feels like it's struggling uh, between like, is this funny or are they scared? Because some of them seem actually scared, but most of it, like even the violence is played for laughs. So it's like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel. And that's one of the things that we didn't mention from the preview is Stephen King is going on and on about how scary this movie is going to be. And the way the trailer is cut shows all the scary moments. So it looks like it's going to be a horror film. And then it's not. Then you like you get into it and it's this campy, goofy mess. And it's another case of like this is if you thought that this was going to be scary, you would get into this and go, what the fuck am I watching? Yeah, Troy, what do you think? Um, I so I wish for me. I wish the movie was more of stuff from the beginning. Um, it's just, I got so checked out with the, because it became so much less interesting for me when it was just the trucks, because I felt like so little was happening. I felt like they were trying to make a story with the characters and you were trying to follow them and make them like interesting. They weren't, I wasn't interested really in any of the characters myself. I was interested in seeing um, in what crazy ways people are getting mutilated by their fucking appliances. Um, that's what I wanted to see. I was, it was just neat, like nearing the end. I it's just, I know we're not there yet, but I'm just saying, like, I feel like the, the most interesting stuff was at the beginning for me. It was kind of crazy and out there, and then it just kind of uh, fizzled out for me, and it felt almost like a chore to watch. There were a few parts afterward that were good, but I feel like a lot of the characters did so many, like, really, really stupid things, like some of the characters acted really dumb to the point where I couldn't suspend my disbelief any further than it could possibly go for how dumb some of these fucking people are acting. Um, but I like the intro. I do like the beginning. It, you know, the fucking ACDC is going to be a part of it. Oh, they're part of the, they're part of the whole damn Yes, that's the whole. Yeah, you better like ACDC because there's going to be a lot of it. Yeah, I I like some ACDC. 
sure uh uh but some i don't uh so <laughs> meanwhile deke who is is I, i'm assuming that's how you say his name deke um he's riding his bike through the town and this is one of my favorite scenes it's it's what i wanted to see more of too and even though it adds nothing to the story um you see he goes to the town uh, you see humans and even pets killed by lawnmowers chainsaws hair dryers pocket radios rc cars there's one where it's like the rc car is like shoved in a mouth of a cop car like that was the best part that was the only part i thought was kind of chilling is to see all this yeah. carnage an ice cream truck uh yeah like all these different different things are 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 killing people or have already killed people and he's just riding through um and then at the same time at the dixie boy our iconic western star 4800 is a the one with the green goblin mask on the front um he runs over that Bible salesman, uh, Camp Loman. He, you know what? This guy, I'm glad that this guy got ran over because I was sick of hearing about him. It's like, like you said, in the mist, like that woman who gets the can of peas smacked up against her head or whatever. Yeah, Mrs. Carmody. Yeah, it's oh, like you know what, Mrs. Carmody. Like if if we are in an apocalyptic situation and you bring up Jesus, I'm just gonna kill you. Right there. Like I don't care if it's the first time you say his his name. If you were in an apocalyptic situation and and you mention Jesus, I will kill you and I will cannibalize you. Like I don't I'm not dealing with it. I'm not dealing with these people's shit. And he then he of course after that he like sexually harassed or assaulted a, a woman. So fuck him. He deserved to get hit by that truck. Uh and that's when all the big rig trucks drive in a circle around this fucking and of I course later, later on transformers and, and uh, turn into robots of course later on like hannah pointed out they run out of gas and demand more gas if you didn't drive in a fucking circle you wouldn't have ran out of gas like stop driving yeah. in a circle you're not gonna none of these people are gonna outrun you if they try to run away like stop it yeah in the story, like new trucks were coming in all the time and filling up and leaving to go on about their trucking business, whatever the fuck it is that they're doing. And that made sense. But like Steve pointed out, they wouldn't have had the budget for this to do that. So instead, they just have the same five trucks and they've got them. Honestly, it's probably the same footage on a loop going like sharks around this gas station but it doesn't make any sense that they would do that they're just burning up a non-renewable source of energy why why are they i don't ugh. cocaine is bad kids troy what do you what do you think of this whole setup um yeah like i was saying it, the vibe I got was like, like I've said a few other times, it's like Decepticons that can't turn into the robots and they're stuck as vehicles and they have to communicate through fucking stupid um, <laughs> Morse code. <laughs> but yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Like, what? 
<laughs> they wouldn't be running out of gas. Um, and, you know, if they weren't driving in a circle, um, also, it, I, I actually didn't realize that that Bible salesman was even dead until somebody mentioned it because it seemed like it, it seemed like the truck just kind of more lightly smacked into him to like make him shut up. I think that would have been funnier if if that happened and then he died another way. But I I, I hate that I did. I feel like they could have made it more obvious that they killed him by hitting him instead of I don't know. That's a, that's a I guess a minor gripe, but um, yeah, I think a lot of it is kind of um, <laughs> um, a lot of it is kind of. I don't understand a lot of the decisions that are made. Um, like for instance, I don't know if we're there yet or to talk about it, but whenever the waitress, whatever the hell her name was, um, it was one of those two name names, like. Wanda June. Wanda June. June. We made you like this. Why? Why? You know, I'm sitting here like, unless you're going to walk outside with the intention to immediately fire with your grenade launcher, your bazooka, whatever the hell it was, shoots explosives. Um, Unless you like, what's the point of just going out and yelling at this thing that has a gigantic gun? What's the why? Nobody knows. Why? There's no point. She just did why? it. She just did it because of a sniffly Stephen King told her to. <laughs> like I'm sitting here, and there's other things that didn't under- make sense to me. I, I guess as well. Whenever the married couple, which, um, uh, like I said, that's the Connie and Kurt. Yeah, Connie is the voice of Lisa Simpson. That's Yeardley Smith. Um, <laughs> uh, whenever they were at the initial gas station, the first one they went to and they saw the dead body, which, you know, he was, he'd obviously been, I guess, hit by a car. <laughs> I don't know why it bugged me, but he's, he's, you know, surveying the area and he looks up and way above the door, there's like blood all the way up there. And I couldn't get it out of my head. I'm like, why is there blood that high up there? How did that get there? That didn't make any sense to me. I know it's such a weird thing to fixate on, but I'm sitting here like, I, I need to know how, <laughs> how blood got all the, how high, like how? And, you know, again, I don't think there's any reasonable explanation. Um, It just adds to this movie. But that's the thing where, you know, essentially I started falling off. And I think that's the reason why it was hard for me to always finish this. And let me preface all of this real quick. I own this movie. I own it on Blu-ray. Mind you, it's, I mentioned to you, Stephen, for the Vestron Blu-rays, this is the only like line of Blu-rays. I just, I buy all of them because I want to complete the collection. That's the only one I do it with. Cause there's only like 26 of them out there, but anyways, yeah, it just falls off for me when it gets to the gas station part, because I start getting bored 
because all of the stuff that was interesting to me when we mentioned the kid was driving through the neighborhood like I was like oh my god that's kind of eerie um I like stuff with kids in 80s horror movies and they're having to deal with these things as kids um especially him watching his fucking friend get ran over by a steamroller um like that stuff was just bonkers that's good bonkers to me though that stuff is the stuff from that's the crazy stuff i love from this movie like like holy shit that's insane and then i'm just like okay a bunch of trucks circling around and i'm like this is so that's the most boring shit because nothing is happening and um i get their you know it's can't argue with that they're trying to established characters and i like emilio estevez i think he's he you know fortunately they got him i say fortunately they got people to play these roles that were interesting characters i a lot of these are like character actors i guess i would assume um and so that made up for it but it was just i wanted to see more mechanical carnage the 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 beginning uh, spoiled me and then when it got to what we're talking about now I'm just like oh man and there was again a few parts I just wanted to see more evil cars don't get when we start talking about the that's the thing I, I think I dislike most about this movie was the the end of it because oh, that's man. my other thing is pacing because I feel yeah. like there wasn't really a climax for this movie <laughs> well, like not really like there's not one thing that happened in the movie that I could really designate or like special because usually any movie even bad ones you can clearly tell what the climax is like clearly I don't feel like Stephen King knew like the structure of a, like the basic structure of a movie which is, you know, he. I saw no rising action. Uh, it didn't rise anywhere. It didn't go to a climax. And then it was so weird, like the pacing for the end, because I was looking at the movie. I was like, how much longer is this? And it was like 10 minutes. And I'm like, this movie doesn't seem like it's about the end. It's like, what the fuck are they going to do? Yeah, It didn't yeah. feel like they were at a resolution. And I'm like, what the fuck? I don't think it's because Stephen King doesn't know how to tell a three-act structure. I think he clearly does. Uh, I I think it's because Stephen King doesn't know how to make a movie physically. Like, he doesn't (laughs) know how to go and and build tension on a camera. He knows how to write a story on paper and build tension there or write a good climax story there and king's still kind of shaky on endings sometimes even in his books but like sure sure it's this is this is really just a lesson to stephen king that he does not know how to make a movie and he should probably let other people make a movie he could still be pissed off at stanley kubrick that's fine sure he has every he has every reason to be pissed off at stanley kubrick next time just call george romero Okay, and George Romero was on this set the whole time. Uh, I was think he? he? Was, I think he was probably sitting there the whole time, just going, "All right, yeah, do that." Okay, he sure. did. Was he just sitting back and laughing? And was he just like, "Man, this he is- he had to have been." That's the only <laughs> way that I can think of it. Is okay. Stephen King and Romero work so creep sh- like Creep Show is one of the greatest fucking horror movies of all time, and like so they work yeah. incredibly yeah. well together. Yeah, so it's just so bizarre. I had no idea about that. That yeah. changes everything. Holy shit! He just had to have been 
be like, like just watching this because it was amusing to see Stephen King try to make this on his own or something. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hannah, there, there's a theory that Romero actually helped create a lot of this. Something about the way a lot of the shots are framed is supposedly uh, really similar to a lot to the way a lot of uh, Romero is. So. Uh, I didn't think it looked bad. I think it looked fine. I thought it was shot well. I think it looked like a great movie. So blame Romero as well as Stephen <laughs> King for this. Um, I, I think blame, it looked good. I think that's blame it. <laughs> uh, let's not get out of control here, okay? R- Romero. R- I'm not saying Romero's a perfect director or anything, but Romero's uh, he knows how to he knows how to direct a movie. I think I think this is all just a big lesson for Stephen King. Yeah, like, absolutely. You cannot direct a movie. And Stephen King, like and to his credit, he learned his lesson. Stephen King went and was like, nah, I'm good. I'm done. And ever since he made this movie, every other time a fucking Stephen King movie has come out, he has just been like, Yeah, it's great. Love it. Never once has he bitched about one of his movies. It doesn't matter how much of a lying. Even when, like, you, we all know it's a giant sack of shit. He's just like, yep, it's great. The last time he was on a film set after this was, that I know of, is Pet Cemetery in 1989. Okay. Um, he was on set to advise Mary Lambert, but he did not direct, which is why Pet Cemetery is a better movie than this. Um. And you don't have to like Pet Cemetery to understand that Pet Cemetery is a better movie than this. Fred Gwynn is in it, and that makes it a better movie than this. Um, so, it, getting back into this, uh, Kurt, Connie, and Kurt they crash after being chased by one of the semis. They crash at the truck stop. Um, they overturn, and Bill Brett and Graham uh, rush to help. Uh, the owner who has the greatest name on the planet, Bubba Hendershot. Bubba Hendershot. That is Bubba Hendershot. That is that sounds like somebody who would, you know, smoke cigars all the time and own a gas station in the middle of nowhere. Um, so he lets them know that he has a bunker hidden under the diner uh, and they use it. That's where they get their rockets and everything. They use it to start shooting at trucks. But they're not using them very smart. And frankly, if they would have used these in a better way, they could have gotten out of there faster. They could have destroyed all these things. They just, I don't know. It, there's there's not a lot of logic to this uh, bazooka slash rocket thing. Um, and also, at the same time, Deke is trying to get in through a sewer, but it's obstructed by mesh that's clearly just like taped on or something. Like, he's just like, oh, oh. it's like just fastened on. Like, I could just go up and rip it off very clearly. Um, yeah, like I said, plot, not a strong suit for this movie um so yeah uh <laughs> at the same time it, it, this this is all going on night hits kind of just randomly and 
then some of the worst dialogue hits when this woman, I don't even remember her name, starts calling Emilio Estevez a hero after having sex with him. And I thought Hanno was going to like stroke out on me over there during this. <laughs> Hanno, what did you think of that? Uh, it reminded me of the book, The Bridges of Madison County, not the movie, which is excellent. It's one of the few cases where the movie is way better than the book. In the book, after the main two have sex there's this creepy creepy scene where the woman is like stroking the guy's chest and telling him you're so powerful robert and it's even creepier because the author's name is robert and you're like oh god this is some weird like creepy self-insert fiction thing here oh no and that's what it reminded me of because i've not actually seen dialogue that cringy since i read that book like 10 years ago Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good Clint Eastwood movie. Yes, it is absolutely a great Clint Eastwood movie. Wait, which one? Bridges of Madison County. Oh, okay. He directed it and he's in it. Okay. <laughs> You're not going to say the joke on the podcast. <laughs> it's a Meryl Streep movie that has Clint Eastwood in it. But it really is a Clint Eastwood movie. Like yeah, he directed it. He directed it's a Clint it. Eastwood movie. Yeah. It's just not like a fucking western or something. Right. So the next next morning after this terrible dialogue, and I'm I I want to just just emphasize here: we are rushing through this plot because there's a lot of just pointless shit going on, and it all just takes longer than it should. Um, but yeah, the next morning, the caterpillar bulldozer shows up along with this this vehicle with a machine gun at the top i have no idea what it's called um the machine gun just lays waste to everybody and honestly i would have taken the ending of this just killing everybody and rolling credits that that would have been a perfectly fine ending for me um but Hendershot uses the rocket launcher to blow up the bulldozer, and Hendershot is not a good shot uh, and does not do it really. Um, uh, okay, so one of the biggest complaints I have about this movie is that, like, the rocket launcher, when it hits something, it either blows it up to an extreme or barely taps it. And I'm like, yeah. a rocket launcher should blow just about everything up right. in its wake, right? Like, if it hits a, it hits the semi later on and it fucking just lays waste to the semi, it, it yeah, I mean, it, it blows up the bulldozer, but at the same time, like, it should have done more damage. I don't know. It's, it's a weird complaint for me, but. Yeah, no, there's no, there's not really much consistency there for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, and, and uh, because of Hendershot here, I keep wanting to say Hammerschmidt, but it's Hendershot. Uh, he pisses this damn machine gun off and this machine gun just fucking lays waste, killing like multiple people inside this this truck stop. Um, people that I don't know the names of you all don't know the names of. And I don't think any of us care what their names no. were. No. Um, and anyone listening probably also is not going to care what the names were. 
Um, you can't make me fucking learn these names. They're not characters. They're fodder. Yeah, they're they're people. They're, it's just like a slasher movie where you like barely know the people before they get killed. Um, it, it, it's just yeah. Uh, right after that, this machine gun then starts <laughs> Troy's favorite part using Morse code to demand more gas for all these semis. <laughs> these humans, Emilio Estevez leads them. <laughs> these humans start fucking pumping gas into these semis, and you get shots of their semis just waiting all the way down the interstate, waiting for gas. Uh, and that's when they finally start to do their escape. They escape, um, and they, I don't, I don't know. It gets real fuzzy at the end. The ending is honestly the worst part. They, yeah, they it's escape. so rushed. They escape. Uh, they blow up a couple of the trucks. They escape. Uh, he throws a grenade into the fucking machine gun. Uh, and they, they go through the, the sewer. And then there's just like magically by a lake. I don't, I don't know. Honestly, like I'm not watching this movie for continuity. I'll I'll just say that right now. Um, yeah, it's um, I don't know. I for me the ending, like I like I was saying before, it got up to I want to say the last even less than ten minutes, and it still did not feel like the movie was coming to a close, even with bad movies. Even with movies that I like less than this one, because I don't absolutely, I don't absolutely hate this movie, but like other movies, you can clearly tell that it's wrapping things up. That thing, you know, that thing called resolution, it's there. I swear to God, it was only in the last maybe two minutes of the movie that it felt like they were actually. I'm like, so what's going to happen? And then. It only it was only like solidified when they gave that little blurb at the end of the movie, and I'm like, okay, that's a kind of a cop out, I guess. Yeah. Um, what's a yeah. class four nuclear missile? What's that? Well, well, we're gonna get into that. Uh, we're gonna get into that. You know, what do you think of the rushed ending where they finally make it to a boat and, and quickly blow up the Green Goblin truck? Oh, I love the ending. The the movie was over. <laughs> That's the best part of the whole thing. What are y'all I, talking about? I was uh, concerned for a second. Then I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I mean, it, was, it, it made a certain amount of sense to me. Like, they were trying to get to the island the whole time, right? Like, that was the plot. They were trying yeah, to get to the they, island of Haven. They so. casually yeah. mention that yeah. as they casually mention aliens, which we'll get into. It's, oh, it's, that was dumb. <laughs> that yeah. was so fucking stupid. Yeah, no. So at, that was stupid. At, at the very end of this movie, uh, you finally realize that their comet is a UFO, and, and you don't realize it through like plot or or storytelling. It's just a fucking like just a fucking blur. It's like watching like like we went into a silent era here or something, and it's got to tell us what's going on, uh, and that it's actually kind of like I don't know like a dust mop or something like it's using this thing to like kill all humans so it can come down and, and populate the earth and 
kids and everybody hear this communism fucking saved everybody <laughs> communism saved everybody in this movie because it was a soviet satellite that happened to have fucking laser tidal, weapons tidal four missiles and laser weapons destroyed the comet and saved everybody <laughs> the soviet union saved everybody and this isn't like the soviet union like the early days no this is the, like fucking shaking hands with ronald reagan soviet union this is the they're not that great they weren't that great to begin with but they're they're I'm talking like military wise, they kind of sucked by this point, and they still, for some reason, in this movie had class four, whatever that means, missiles and a laser cannon. Uh, and then six days later, the comet's tail dissipates, and um, the survivors are still alive, and they you are told that in a title card at the end of the movie. And that's the end of the movie. Class four nuclear missiles. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what do you all think of the title card? <laughs> I think that it comes across like someone who doesn't know how to finish their movie. So they did something very quickly to give it a tap. I feel like they were being pressed for time or some producer somewhere is like, you know, he looks like a sleazy, you know, it's the same. Maybe it's the same dude who is the producer for uh Friday, the 13th, Don Mancuso jr. You know, that sleazy <laughs> fuck bag. And maybe it's the same guy. And he's just like, we need an end. Come on. Like, you got to end your movie. You put so much money into this movie. And it's hey, so like, it, like like some editor just like wrote down what King said after he did a couple lines and King was like, yeah, it's a Soviet satellite. Fuck. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like, who fucking cares? She's in the movie. I don't give a shit. Like he just said some stuff and they embellished a little bit. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's get into some real quick, just like real, real quick, uh, uh, facts about this movie. Uh, um, the release date was July 25th, 1986. It is 98 minutes long. It felt longer than that to some people. The budget was $9 million. What do you think it all made? What do y'all think it made? Oh, oh, um, I thought you were, I, for whatever reason, I heard that as what did it all go to? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I know what it all went to. Um, oh, God. Um, three million dollars. All right, Hannah, what do you think it made? I'll go the other way. Twelve. In the middle, it made seven point four million dollars worldwide. Three point five million dollars just in the United States. So that means it did not make back its budget, which is part of why Stephen King is no longer making movies. I'm surprised. I feel like people would have. It seemed like. It seemed like King was established and well known enough that if somebody saw, you know, a Stephen King, that that's just kind of a. But I guess not. Right. All right. Some uh, reception here. John Parles, 
of the New York Times wrote that by making machines uh, malevolent uh, and amoral, Mr. King loses the flip of retribution in better horror films. Uh, Variety said it's the kind of film audiences want to talk back to and kind of throw credibility out the window. And uh, Roger Ebert didn't watch it, apparently. So I can't. um, Probably for the best. I'm very curious what he would have thought about that. Uh, And here is a fun fact. Uh, So in October of 2020, everybody's favorite year, um, Stephen King's son, Joe Hill, expressed interest in writing and directing a Maximum Overdrive remake with some alterations to the original material. No, Joe. What? No, I'd like to. See, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see a <laughs> Joe Hill. No. No. Ah, uh, he's doing actually like interesting stuff. I like the stuff. Yeah, he's doing. I, I'd I like believe. to see a, a well. You know, I would. I think that would be a really interesting take on someone who is actually like putting can put a real de- decent effort into. Because I think the movie would do really well if it focused on different things, and I think Joe Hill could make a good one. I don't know. That's just how. That's what I think. But I can imagine. You know, I'm totally fine with there never being any more incarnations of <laughs> of um, Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> All right. So let's do this. Uh, let's get into uh, our final thoughts and ratings, and then Troy can give us his mandate in the next episode. All right. Uh, uh, all right. Hannah, give us your final thoughts and your rating. I I have no thoughts. I, I There's nothing in this movie, I feel like, for me to get much of a hold on to talk about. It seems just like it's... Uh, I don't know. I feel like I've kind of said everything. It's fine. Some of it's funny. I actually don't hate it. Like, I feel like I'm coming off like I despise this movie, and I don't. It's it's fine. Uh, if someone wants to watch it, I don't mind to sit and do so. Uh, I will heckle it a lot. I think a lot of it is just totally ridiculous. Um, but I don't I don't despise it. It's got some some like camp value to it. Uh, sometimes I'll like something that I can just set and mock like it doesn't all have to be um, high quality and like Troy said Emilio Estevez does a good job I feel like he's trying to carry the entire movie himself and he does a reasonable job of it and I like seeing um, King really goes back to the well a lot in all of his stuff and it's interesting to see all of the other stories that kind of come in and out of this like Crawling through the pipe to escape, that's Shawshank Redemption. Uh, it's set in this little diner area where they're all trying to break out. That's the mist. That um, machine gun growls at them. That is Cujo. <laughs> like, there's a lot of other stuff that's woven in here. It's, it's, it's fine. I would give it a 5 out of 10. In maybe five years, I'll be ready to watch it again. Until then, I'm good. Troy? Um, so my final thoughts are that, um, 
you know, upon my actual first completed watch of this movie, um, I think my conclusion is that the reason I never finished watching it was because all the stuff that I found initially interesting about the movie um, is near the first half of it. And the second half for me is kind of a slog to get through, um, kind of a chore. Um, I feel like this, you know, hearing that Joe Hill may be interested in doing it, it I honestly feel like this is something that can be done pretty well. I like the idea of, you know, just general machines going haywire and wanting to murder everybody. It's such a uh, kind of a crazy concept, something that that concept sounds absolutely right up my alley. I just don't think that it was necessarily executed really well for this movie. Uh, like I said, I own it. I'm actually curious to go through the special features to get kind of a more well-rounded idea about other people who work in film and were in this movie to give their takes on it. So I'll probably be doing that here soon. So that way maybe I can get a different perspective on it, but all in all, you know, it's, it's definitely not my favorite Stephen King movie. It's probably lower on the ladder. Although I do think there are a lot of fun moments to be had. I would say that I was, I was actually teetering between like a four and a half and a five. I'm going to give this a five. Um, I think the fun parts push it over the edge for me for that. So I'll, I'll give it a five. All right. And uh, like I said before, I think this is the worst masterpiece ever made. Uh, it, I, I love this movie. Um, I saw it when I was a kid and I've loved it since then. There is a nostalgia thing going on here, but I, I think it's fun. I do think that it's not a well-made movie in, in any shape of anyone's imagination um i think the structure and the plot of it falls apart i think that uh some of the effects and some of the acting's not the greatest uh and i think it had clearly an amateur kind of director going to it because stephen king got in his head that he could do better than stanley kubrick uh right which stanley kubrick's a bad person stephen king's not so you know, you can you can make arguments, whatever. Uh, I I think that the parts that are funny are hilarious, and the parts that are boring are, especially with this round, bone dry boring, like just really really boring. Um, and I do find that as it goes longer, the less I care about this movie. Um, there is part of me that wants to give this like an eight out of 10. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm not going to do that. I am. I know in my head that it's more like a four out of 10. So I'm going to give it a five and a half out of 10. <laughs> um, so yeah, that is maximum overdrive. Uh, Troy. Yeah. What is your mandate and what are you going to make us watch next month? <laughs> All right. So I, uh, I've been thinking about it 
and um, I've come to a decision. So I was on the fence. I was on the fence uh, between two different movies. I'm one that I think would be more interesting to talk about because not only not only because I think the movie is genuinely a really really fun wacky movie, but I I I love the fact that unless somebody tells you you wouldn't know that the director um, was a woman because this doesn't, it, it doesn't come across, it comes across as like a raunchy kind of 80s movie. And I think she's a wonderful director. I can't think of her name. The movie is Blood Diner. Blood um, Diner. Have okay. you seen Blood Diner? Yeah, I've seen Blood Diner. Okay. Um, yeah, I... It was that or nine seven six evil, and I like both movies, but I think um, <laughs> a Blood Diner. I, I've just been kind of a you know stuck on uh, you know the mix between comedy and horror, and um, I really like the idea of uh, getting into that, especially the director, because during that she talks about the hardships she had. Um, you know, that she felt like she's like, people didn't think I could make a movie like this just because I was a woman. And then she like proves everybody wrong by making this completely ridiculous movie with. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm, it is. It is directed <laughs> by Jackie Kong. Yes. Jackie Kong. She's done a lot of really good stuff. Um, not only not only by not only is she, she's a she's a I want to say she's either Vietnamese or um, Thai. Um, she's, uh, she's of Asian descent. Um, so that's one, she, one thing she talks about in her making of movies is that she does, you know, no one thought um, uh, somebody as a woman, a person of color could ever make movies like these. And she proved them all wrong. And I'm so excited. Uh, I'm guessing Hannah, you've never seen this. I have not. I'm looking. I'm looking at the storyline right now on okay. IMDb. And it's really wacky. I'm I'm caught by the sentence. Aided by their uncle's brain and penis, the two, <laughs> the two set about getting the required parts. I'm like I I can't read past that. I'm it's, stuck. It's technically a remake, I guess, of a Herschel Gordon Lewis H.G. Lewis movie yeah. called Blood Feast. It's it's a yeah. loose remake. It's a um, loose remake slash kind of a kind of a conceived sequel at the same time. Yes, um, I, I love the bits where she talks about you know the one time somebody get like a, a girl gets naked, she knows how to actually fight and like can fight the main uh, antagonist and actually holds her own. Yeah. Um, anyways, we'll obviously get into it now, but, um, yeah, we'll get into it next time. Uh, I am looking forward to checking this out again. I'm looking forward to watching Hannah watch this movie. Uh, I'm, I am so interested to hear Hannah, how, how, what you feel or how you feel about this movie. Cause I know you've recommended a lot of, um, movies, uh, from directors who are women. And I just thought this would be a good addition, um, to add to that, to see what you what you would think about something like this. So yeah. I'm, I'm definitely definitely interested. 
All right. So we are out of time. So let us go ahead and sign off here um, until next time. And we talk about Blood Diner. I am Steven. I'm Hannah. I'm Troy. And we will see you next time. podcast was made by horror fans like yourself intro music by aaron bertram